Hi, uh, my name's Terrell. I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, and let's see, to qualify, um, let's see, I have uh, 42 years of abstinence um, and I'm maintaining over 100 pound weight loss. So let's see. God, take a take a deep breath after our introduction. Um, so let's see. For me, I, I have to talk about my spiritual. Wait, how, how many minutes do I have now? How long do I get to speak? I, I don't know. Because we got. Carol, you have twenty minutes, and there'll be a five-minute warning before the end of it. Great, thank you. Okay, well, so um, let's talk about my spiritual journey because, I mean, to me, that's like what this segment's about is is spiritual recovery and where did I come from spiritually what happened and what am I like today spiritually um so I was raised um Baptist Southern Baptist and I um went to two years in a row to Sunday school and didn't miss a miss a Sunday so I got my two-year pin and so that was what I was kind of raised with um I think I want to preface this with saying that about spiritual, my spiritual path, the overriding arch of this of, the, of my journey is open-mindedness, and that's what I, I think I want to like say. It's like if you can keep that in mind as I talk, it's like all oh, right, open-mindedness. So I start out as Baptist, um, and uh, I uh, I love to tell a story. I when I was being dunked in the water, I passed gas, and of course there was bubbles coming up and I was thinking like, oh my God, I'm like now Satan spawned because I had just done this in the holy water. Um, and so it was, it didn't start out well, I guess. Um, and also um, from a very early age, and I came to program when I was 17 and I, 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 I couldn't work, the, I couldn't work the program. I, I was offered, I was 325 pounds. I knew I couldn't work the program because it was talking about God and I, and, and I was a horrible kid. I was a horrible, horrible kid. Um, and the reason why I was a horrible, horrible kid was because I, you know, passed gas and parted in the holy water. I had done all these horrible things, but that's just me as a compulsive reader, right? I wasn't really, in, in all honesty, I was a good kid. I mean, literally I did nothing. I would, would go to school, come home, watch TV, help my parents with dinner, clean the house, make sure, because they were alcoholic. I thought they would just have a clean house. So I was a good kid. Um, but I couldn't, I couldn't do the God thing because God was punishing me because God was omnipotent and God was punishing me for all my horrible thoughts and deeds. And so it was like my punishment for who I was, was that I was fat and I had these alcoholic parents. And so then it was like, why would I, how, how could I trust this God that was like being an asshole to me? And I always like to say, if you have a hard time with step three, then fire that asshole of a God you got. Um, and so uh, I'm sorry to the interpreters. I have a tendency to talk fast. So uh, if um, I will try and go to this uh, steady clip. Um, so what happened was um, my deep, dark secret that I couldn't share with another human being, the reason why God hated me, the reason why it I was cursed with being fat and alcoholic parents was because I was gay. I knew from a very early age that I was interested in, in same sex, right? It was like, in, when I was a kid, it was just I wanted to ride the range, be, you know, play cowboys. I just knew there's something different for me. And also coming from a dysfunctional family, being a compulsive reader at a very early age, 
that makes me feel less than and, and different from and, and not worthy. And then you throw the home myself inflicted of myself homophobia onto it. It was all like, okay. So, but, um, so I was like fine without God. And then it was like, um, I came out of the closet, you know, I went to this liberal arts college and I, uh, and I kind of learned about Buddhism and Eastern religions and meditate your navel. So it kind of put my mind a little bit. Like, it's not this, this Judeo-Christian God, Christian God that I was raised with in, in school or when, when I was in, in younger, that maybe there's a different, maybe there's karma, maybe there's, you know, reincarnation. So put my mind a little bit, but still, you know, I'm, it's the seventies, I'm gay. It's like, oh God, no, we, we don't, you know, God was like, you know, like hated fags. And it was like, so, so there was like, there was nothing, there was no matter those two. So when I, what, what brought me back to program, I, I came in when I was 17, I lost the weight. I didn't do things that made me seek excess food. So I had to go back out and gain weight. And I got back up to about 250. And then I came out, I dealt with those issues that I, that, you know, I dealt with my sexuality. And I, I uh, discovered the one for water fast, I say, because you folks, the first time I came into OA, you said it wasn't the hundred fight that puts the weight on it, it was the first. So I didn't take the first fight all day long. So I mean, I kind of discovered fasting or whatever. It was like, you know, you just don't eat. And I like lost weight. Um, and so the, uh, um, so what brought me back to program the second time around was that I um, had gained 30 pounds in six weeks. Before I gained that 30 pounds in six weeks, six weeks, a doctor had told me, my eye doctor, had told me that if I didn't stop eating sugar, I'd be blind within a year due to hypoglycemia or diabetes. And I put on 30 pounds. And while I'm binging my way through Europe there in these 30 pounds, I remember thinking I can still see. And that's when I'll stop when things go gray. And that's where my disease takes me. So I came back to program once again, beaten up. First time I came in at 325, desperate, right? Desperate. I lost 125, about 125 pounds about six, seven months the first time I came in because I took this gray sheet of paper that was offered to me that had a food plan and I worked it quite well. And I was a 17-year-old boy working a shipping loading dock. So I lost the weight. Second time I came back in was because I was like, I just gained 30 pounds and I was miserable and like, oh my God. And I hit, when you hit the first last house on the block um, at 17, you already know where you're destined for, right? I always knew I was destined for OA, but I just couldn't go to OA because of, of because it was much of middle-aged housewives and I'm gay, gay young guy. So, but anyway, so I came in and uh, um, was, I found that I fit in, that I was, literally there was gay meetings every night and so forth. So that's an, it's an integral part of my story. And so, but then it was like, you talked about God again. And like, I mean, like, no, God and gays didn't go together in this late seventies. Um, AIDS kind of changed that in the eighties, but late seventies, God and gay didn't go together. And so, or at least in my, my, my interpretation or my feelings. So I came in and you folks were talking about God and they're like, yeah, you know what? I don't talk to the asshole. The asshole doesn't talk to me. We're good, right? You know, that's why I kind of felt. Um, but I discovered that if I put God into my pitches, then you guys like my pitches. And so therefore it was like, I, I mean, I'm a people pleaser. So if I'm not going to talk about God and you like my pitches, I'm going to use more God in my pitches. So, and the funny thing that happens is called acting as if 
because as the more I used the word God, the more I said God, the more it came the more it sank in about God that all oh, right, God. And I would say, well, God's will, God's, you know, you know, nothing happens in God's will by mistake. The stuff that I heard in, in Baptist church, I was using, but it was like, okay, it felt kind of different. It felt like, okay. And then I went to my sponsor and said, you know, if I, if I accept God into my life, do I have to go straight? And he kind of laughed at me and said, no. And so I also had this spiritual experience. I was walking from a, so I was open to the fact that, okay, I don't have to, I, I, I'm open to some form of higher power, something to some type of God. It, you know, you like me if I use God, I don't have to go straight if I use God, if I have a God. So maybe it's like, okay, I can, um, I can uh, um, start using God. And the spiritual experience I had was I was walking out of a, of a step study meeting. So the 12th step, and I was like just a couple of months and didn't know when we were talking about this, the 12th step. Um, I think I was still on the first step. But as I was walking to my car through, this, through the park, I heard a small, still voice come over me that says, Terrell, you're going to be all right. You have as much right to be here as that tree. And it was the first in my life I, I, I felt like I wasn't breathing your air. I lived the first, before I came to program, before I got absent this time, I felt like any second, any one of you could snatch my breath away because that's how, how fragile I was. And when I heard that small, 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 small voice, you didn't have the power to take my breath away and that I had a right to be. So that was a very strong spiritual moving experience for me. There's no angel singing, there's no heaven's party, but it's a very strong spiritual experience. So I, I started up this very strong sense of a higher power. And I mean, I got, I mean, I went on a spiritual quest because literally, you know, I, I started reading spiritual books and I started reading, I, I started, um, I took a course in, in spirituality where you had a meditation every day. I, I got a Hindu God. I mean, I got a Hindu, um, Hindu guru as in my spiritual journey because I'm trying to I'm trying to find a God that fits for me. It's like, you know, I'm just keep open-minded. And I one thing I found out, I discovered for me, is that I can find a God and then it plateaus. And that God doesn't after a while doesn't work anymore. And I gotta get a different God or get a deeper understanding of what my heart power is like. So then I grow again and then Excuse I plateau. Me. I'm sorry yes. to interrupt, but can you just slow it down a little for the interpreters? Yes, I will. <laughs> Thank you. I know. <laughs> I'm so sorry, guys. Um, so, um, so I was completely open. I, I kept trying to my spiritual path. And I was noted as a, as a spiritual speaker in Los Angeles. Like, I mean, it was literally like, oh, you want something to talk about God? We'll get Terrell. And if you ever said, like, I had this really strong connection with my higher power. Um, and I, and I felt like they did. And I, I mean, even my third year of absence, I like to talk about like a train, I was late for an appointment and a train guard crossing came down and I would say, okay, God's will, maybe God's protecting me from a parking space on the, from a traffic accident on the other side of that train track. So that was how I, that's where I was for many years in this strong belief of a, a higher power, a godlike figure in my life. Uh, we can call it the God of parking spaces. Um, so what happened was um, in, in 2020, and I, I mean 2000. It's, 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 it, those who know who heard my story before, I know this, but 
2020 was a very, or 20, uh, 2001 was a very um, interesting year. There was um, elections going on and there's a lot of stuff about gays and a lot of people were saying God, and God hates fags and God is, you know, God doesn't like gays and so forth. And it was like, but I'm using the word God and they're using the word God. And it was, it was kind of this weird kind of made God feel kind of dirty. And I also started watching the Discovery Channel and the History Channel. And the History Channel was talking about how the Pharaoh had to go and open a cabinet every morning to sort of summarize because he was the God on earth. And then I was reading about the big, in the Science Channel, reading about the, about the Big Bang Theory and then the vastness of the universe and how chaotic the universe is now violent universe and I'm going like and so what happened was I became a, an atheist and to this day I'm still an atheist so I don't know if I'm the token atheist on the panel or not it's kind of funny now when it, now I still get asked to speak on spiritual panels but I guess I don't know if I'm the token atheist or like it feels like nothing's changed from people oh you want a spiritual speaker get Terrell to oh, you want a spiritual speaker get Terrell Except back then I had a had a, a, a God figure and now I don't. Hey Terrell, um, that's a so, five minute warning. Five minute, great, thanks. So 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 there I am, and it's and before I became an atheist, I heard some a long conversation. She was an atheist. And I was going, Oh my god, you can't you can't say that. What about the newcomer? You gotta protect the newcomer from from you, from the atheist. So if you're a newcomer, maybe you can take solace in the fact that. You, you can have 42 years of absence of the atheist. But, but what happened was, there I am at, at 20-something years of, of abstinence and not having a God. And it was kind of weird, but I'm in program. And I've, I've been abstinent for 20-something years with something, some type of higher power that's not this God-like figure. So I had to find my own higher power. And so I came up with a set of concepts that are my higher power. And my higher power today are the concepts of peace, love, hope, patience, trust, uh, acceptance, gratitude, kindness, and laughter. And those, that's my higher power today, those concepts. And if you're trying to write them down like that, I can I, I jokingly flippantly say, get your own higher power, which could use you could use my list, but you can add to the list. Sometimes I I mean my list now is I've added trust and took out tolerance. So it's just that it's a list of those those concepts of of a higher power for me, of the good in us, the good in, in the universe, the good in this. And so I had so I, now I now I've got the devil, if you want to call it, I got my higher power. The devil is my ego, and the ego is based upon fear, lack, mistrust, petty, jealousy. All those are things that are not my higher power. So my higher power is peace, love, hope, patience, kindness, acceptance, trust, gratitude, laughter. And so I have a choice today with step three, right? I have a choice today because I believe that those concepts will bring me to sanity, will give me a right way of thinking, a sane, healthy thinking. So I have a choice today to turn my will, my life over the care of peace, love, hope, patience, kindness, tolerance, uh, and laughter, 
or I can turn it over to fear, anxiety, less than, jealousy. And when I, I, that's a clear cut, vivid choice for me. And when I turn my will, my life will hear my higher power, my life is better. I am comfortable with my life. I like to say a sign of someone's spirituality is not what happens to them because this world is chaotic, right? We had a pandemic. We still have a pandemic. We have people. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. It's a chaotic, wild world out there. And I've got to find something to help me deal with that wild, crazy, chaotic world. And my higher power helps me deal with that wild, crazy, chaotic, chaotic world. And with that, I have peace. And that's what this program has promised me. It promised, promised me any job. It promised, promised me any material, you know, wealth or anything. That, and so I'll find um, happiness, joy, peace, joy, and happiness. Oh my God. So it, it's, it's, and I found this. I've got joy in my life. I have peace in my life. And I'm happy, joyous, or in freedom. And my higher power peace, love, hope, patience, kindness, acceptance, trust, gratitude, and laughter gives us to me. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you so much, Terrell, for jumping in. I appreciate it. Um, I wanna now welcome Janice, who's another of our panelists to speak. Janice? Go ahead and unmute yourself. Okay. Um, can y'all hear me? Yes. Y'all can hear me. Yes, we can hear you. You can see me. No, can't see you, but we can what hear do you. I need to do. Um, down at the bottom, if you you start your video, yes. It says stop. There you go. That's perfect, Janice. We can see you now. You can see me now. And we can hear you. Welcome. You can see me now. So, just, just to let everybody know, the two the two remaining panelists will do 18 minutes instead of 20, so that way we have some time for sharing. You'll get a five-minute warning. Thank you. Okay. My name is Janice. I am a compulsive overeater, and I know that. I am really, I feel like I'm a fish out of water here because I'm not used to this Zoom and all the problems that were going on, I thought it was my fault, you know, that I wasn't doing something right. But uh, what I'm understanding is, is, you know, people are just learning how to do this Zoom and I'm just really not comfortable with all of this yet. But, you know, when I'm asked to do service, it's just like, yes, I, I need to do this. I just need to continue to do this service. And I, uh, I wanna thank Jerry for uh, giving my name and for the committee for uh, inviting me uh, to be here. Uh, I was asked to speak on the uh, keys to spiritual recovery. And when I, when I saw that title, it had an S on keys. And uh, it reminds me of what uh, the AA 12 and 12 taught me in uh, step three is that there's only one key and it's called willingness. And it's this one key of willingness that keeps me doing this, okay? Uh, it's very hard to encapsulate in 18 minutes what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. I, uh, 
was born August the 7th of 1939. And in 28 days, I'll be 82. And I came into Overeaters Anonymous uh, April the 4th of 1978, which is 43 years ago. And uh, I did not come to OA to find a key of willingness. I didn't. I came to lose weight. It's why I came to Overeaters Anonymous. And I'm grateful that uh, that did happen for me. It did happen for me. But I found uh, so much more. I found so much. I found that I uh, did not have to eat all of those sugar foods. And I did not have to eat all those chocolate foods. That, that was my mainstay, my foods. I would eat that when I wouldn't eat the savory stuff get up in the middle of the night and eat half a box of cereal and milk. I mean, you know, that was my pattern. I um, I come from uh, 15 years of taking diet pills. I spent a lot of money on taking diet pills. I would drive to New Orleans to get my two week supply of diet pills. I, I have some guilt still about, you know, not doing certain things for my kids because I had to have my diet pills and I had to drive to New Orleans to get my diet pills and, uh, when I was uh, 32 years old uh, is when uh, I was relieved from those diet pills, mostly because it was getting harder and harder to get them. <laughs> uh, not because I really wanted to stop, uh, but it, they were getting harder and harder uh, to, uh, to get. And uh, so uh, it's 50 years since I took a diet pill. And I, I am as proud of that as uh, 43 years of abstinence in, in Overeaters Anonymous. And I, I am as proud of that as this one key, this one key that uh, I was taught, this one key of willingness would open so many doors for me, okay? It opened the door of my very first Overeaters Anonymous meeting here in Homa, Louisiana, is where I live. And uh, I was born in a, a town of Gonzales, Louisiana, which is a Cajun community. I, am of Cajun descent. I uh, classify myself as a barefoot country girl. You know, I still, I'm barefooted right now if you want to know the truth. So uh, the minute I get in the house, I take off my shoe and my bra, you know, but I do have a bra on today. So uh, don't get excited, uh, Carol. Uh, so uh, anyway, uh, I, uh, I'm grateful that I can continue to be who and what I am. I am a compulsive overeater. I'm a, I'm of Cajun descent. I speak with the Southern drawl, and I'm hoping that the interpreter can understand me. They wanted me to send, send my resume or what of what I was going to say. And I definitely said that. So, but anyway, it's the Southern drawl. But the thing of it is that I speak from my heart and I have learned that what comes from the heart reaches the heart. And I am grateful beyond telling about me needing to lose weight and finding Overeaters Anonymous in Homa, Louisiana. And that key of willingness opened the door and the thresholds to many, many, many things in my life. And the biggest thing besides finding the God of my own understanding, I did not come here to find that either, okay? <laughs> I didn't. I came to lose weight and I did. Uh, 
I lost 12 pounds the first month, five pounds the second month. I mean, 35 pounds in uh, nine months. I have to say though, I wasn't able to keep all of that weight off, but today I am at a healthy medical body weight. I am at a healthy body weight, a healthy uh, mind, a healthy, healthy spirit. And that's what I believe that this program offers me. It offers me health, health, health of mind, health of body, health of spirit, health of relationships. I would like to say that I, I want, I am going to say that my husband and I have been married for 40, 65 years, August the 12th, we could be married for 65 years. I was 14 years old when I met him, 17 years old when, uh, I, we got married. I still had one year of uh, school, high school left. And, you know, he used to say when we were first married and anything that he finished raising me. And yes, he did. He finished raising me. He, he put me through my last year of school. He bought my high school ring. He, he paid for all of the invitations. He paid for all of the expenses of a, um, of, of a graduate. Okay. But when I came into a program, when he kept saying that he finished raising me, I would say, I am raised. So that statement had to stop because I was raised, but it was through my involvement in Overeaters Anonymous that I became more of an adult. I had adult thoughts. I had my own thoughts. I, had, I was living my own sacred life. I was able to be able to leave this house and know that I could come back and this would be my safe place again. I learned all of that. And so that one key of willingness is opened up the doors of OA service for me, okay? Abstinence was the first key that it opened up for me. And these 12 steps that I had no clue what they meant, I had never heard of them. I read them on the pamphlets that I bought at my very first OA meeting on a Tuesday afternoon at three o'clock in Homa, Louisiana, uh, on that packet that I, we, I purchased for a dollar and 25 cents, and I still have those pieces pieces of uh, literature. And I noticed when I was reading on there that the 12 steps was on the left-hand side, the, the 12 traditions were on the right-hand side. And I knew that that must be really, really important. But at that time, I never dreamed how important they would really be in my life. And so today I continue to put that key of willingness into these 12 steps, into these 12 traditions, into this OA service. Life has changed for me right now, uh, you know, without traveling as much. I have, I have uh, been able to travel halfway around the world because of OA service, but it was only because I had that key of willingness that I was able to say yes when those doors were ever so slightly open. And I would say yes, and I would walk into that door of service, not knowing what I was doing, what I was supposed to be doing, what, what may happen, I did not know. I did not know anything. I didn't understand any of this uh, service work of Overeaters Anonymous. But some people at the time saw something in me that I didn't even know existed in me. I didn't know I had the ability uh, to do it. But what I know is it was my weakness that drew people to me and my willingness to share that weakness. As long as I could share that weakness, I knew, they knew I belonged there. 
And so today I continue to share my weaknesses because I tell you, I was a nervous wreck before uh, this, all of this took place and I couldn't get on. Uh, I was supposed to be the first speaker and everything. I mean, it was nerve wracking to me, you know, because I'm not used to all of this. Um, I didn't come here on April the 4th, uh, 1978 to grow spiritually. <laughs> I, I didn't come here for that, but you know what? It was given to me. It was given to me because of a willingness that I had. And I love, I love what uh, Dr. Uh, Father, what is, uh, he's a Episcopal preacher, Sam Shoemaker, what he, what he taught us. I just love it. And I'm going to read a little bit about it because I think it's so beautiful. And it's called, I Stand by the Door. And you know, that's what I do. That's what I do in Overeaters Anonymous. I stand by the door. And this is what he said. He said, the door is the most important door in the world. It is a door through which men walk when they find God. The most tremendous thing in the world is for men to find that door, the door to God. And to me, that is what Overeaters Anonymous has allowed to happen for me. It allowed me to walk through the door my very first Overeaters Anonymous meeting. It has allowed me to say yes to do an OA service. It has allowed me to become a secretary of a brand new group here in Holman, Louisiana when I was only in the program six, six weeks. It allowed me to go to my, to go to inner group. It allowed, it allowed me to, uh, to become uh, an inner group representative. It allowed me to fly, to fly in an airplane for the very first time. I was 43 years old, I had never flown in an airplane. I didn't know that kind of world, I did not. Um, it has allowed me uh, to serve at Region uh, 8, Region 8, as a Region 8 trustee on the International Board of Overeaters Anonymous. This barefoot country girl that only came to OA to lose weight was able to fly to Los Angeles many, many times a year. I think at that time we were flying five times to uh, Los Angeles. I mean, you know, someone that had never flown in an airplane, I was flying all over. And as a result of that, I was able to go to uh, South Africa to, uh, as a trustee there, uh, speaking as a trustee. And uh, I didn't come to OA on April the 4th, 1978 to do that. But that was, that's one of the doors that was open to me because that key of willingness was always in there, you know? And as a result of this, that door opened up this world, this world of OA, but this world of God and this world of the spiritual recovery that I, I live today and is what I'm sharing with you tonight, today. And I hope, you know, this is coming directly from my heart and I sure hope that it's reaching hearts there because, uh, that is part of my responsibility is to carry my, to extend my hand and my heart to OA, to all who share my compulsion. This is what I am responsible for. And I'm grateful. I'm, I am responsible for my abstinence. I am responsible. I am responsible for me to continue to work these steps. These, uh, I spoke uh, about a month ago on uh, the, uh, the uh, wait, the nightly review. I learned so much about that nightly review from preparing myself to be able to share for 35 minutes at the Dallas convention, 
Janice, that's a five-minute warning. Five minutes. Wow. Okay. Kind of interrupts thoughts, but that's okay, because I know that's the process. Uh, what I started understanding was uh, the things that I say no to in that nightly review. And th this is all keys to spiritual recovery. The key to the key of willingness to the spiritual recovery is that uh, what I started uh, noticing uh, the question were were you kind and loving toward all? You know, well, my husband is uh, almost eighty nine. He's in very good health, but he does have short memory, some short memory loss, and. That, that is a hard thing for me to adjust to right, to, to right now. And I've had a hard time with that for the last, uh, well, it's been about four years since uh, we, he was diagnosed. He's doing really well. He's, he's uh, you know, he's healthy. He cuts the grass, he rides his bike, stuff like that. But he forgets some things. And uh, I have a short fuse, I'm Cajun, okay? I have a short fuse and I don't have a lot of patience a lot of times with that. Well, that morning, when I started realizing my nightly review and everything that, you know, if I, if I said no to some of that, then the next morning in my morning review, I needed to examine that and see, see what uh, I'm, I'm, I should be doing in the morning, you know, uh, divorce me from self-pity, divorce me from all of this, divorce me from this impatience and everything. And uh, I started realizing that. And I wrote, I wrote a list that morning about uh, what uh, I was, uh, needed to ask God to help me with. And one of the things what I'm reading in uh, that is that, you know, to give me freedom from self-will, freedom from self-will. I just have to continue to ask for that freedom from self-will. But that one morning I wrote that I wanted to be nice to Jimmy. I wanted to be nice to Jimmy. And uh, <clears throat> when I think about I failed sometimes miserably, okay? I don't pass the acid test. You know, they say, can you pass the acid test? Stay in emotional balance, live to good purpose, you know, stay abstinent. No, sometimes I don't live to good purpose all the time and I'm not nice. But I've been praying that prayer. I made it a prayer. Uh, help me be kind and loving. Help me be kind and loving toward Jimmy. Because that's the only way I'm going to be nice to him if I'm kind and I'm loving. And when I fall short of that, I admit that to uh, my sponsor. And uh, she tells me, she said, Janice, I think you're doing a lot better than you think you are. And, and I am, I think I am doing a lot better than I thought I ever could, okay? Uh, we, went, we, went, uh, we went to the neurologist uh, Thursday for his one year checkup. And uh, the doctor said, told Jimmy, you look younger, younger this year than you did last year. And my grandson, he tells tells people that I'm Jimmy's dietitian, you know, and, and that is that is just hilarious, you know. Uh, but anyway, we had to wait in that examining room an hour and fifteen minutes. I mean, you know, we were both getting aggravated. But I want to say so say something. I enjoyed it for about an hour, just being being in that room with Jimmy and listening to him share about his youth and his life. And it's like, I thought I was 14 years old again, if you know what I mean. It was just a pleasant experience of being in there. And so about an hour, after about an hour, I opened the door and I said, have y'all forgot about us? And they said, uh, no, y'all gonna be next. So when the doctor, the doctor came in, uh, Jimmy uh, 
told the doctor, he said, man, I thought you went home, you know, and I thought that was so witty. And it remembered that is such a part of his charm is uh, his wit. But this key of willingness helps my marriage. It helps my life. It helps my relationship with these six, these six grandkids that I have these three adult kids that are very successful in their lives. And now we have six great grandkids. This key of willingness and my recovery helps me in all areas of my life. And only because I couldn't take diet pills anymore and I wanted to lose weight. And I heard about this place called Overeaters Anonymous and I went to that first door that door opened a whole new world and a whole new existence for me. And I want to thank y'all from the bottom of my heart for listening. Thank you. Thank you so much, Janice. Um, our final uh, panelist is Babs. Babs, go ahead and unmute and then it's your turn. Tag, you're it. I'm Babs, compulsive overeater. And I wanted to share a little miracle. For four days before today, a jackhammer has been operating right after our backyard. You would not even be able to hear me. Uh, but I just kept turning it over and turning it over. And this morning, they are quiet. Um, I'm amazed, even though I know the variety of those of us in OA, the, I mean, not just how we ate or didn't eat, but our belief system and just so many other things. Um, for me, I was, um, I was born 79 years ago yesterday. Uh, I have been a compulsive overeater from the time I was a little kid. It got worse long before it got better. My mother was quite ill. And food was the way I dealt with my feelings. And that continued after she died when I had just turned 13. I can remember my dad getting a pint of ice cream and cutting it in half and giving each one of us half. Because <laughs> he, he used feelings too. I mean, that's what he did with his feelings was to eat. Um, I think the first time I was aware of a higher power, I was six or seven years old. My parents didn't talk religion. My mother was Christian Zionist and my father was Catholic. So never the twain shall meet. So, but I just knew. I knew that there was something outside of me that when I cried myself to sleep, it didn't stop me from crying, but it made me know I wasn't alone. And that has been with me my whole life. Um, there have been times I've walked away. There have been times I've ignored it. But whenever things were really, really rough, I was able to find consolation. One of the biggest spiritual lessons for me was forgiveness. I was mad at God. And I didn't want to admit it for years. And finally, it would come out when I would say, why did you take her? And it really took getting in my 30s to finally hear she was in too much pain to stay. 
but getting rid of that, being able to be honest, because I had, you know, picked up the idea that you can't <laughs> rail at God. <laughs> I, I didn't have Terrell's courage that way. So for me to finally be able to do that was enormous. And um, it wasn't too long after that that I came into OA about 35 years ago. I'd lost my weight, which was never super excessive. It was just excessive for five foot two. Um, and, but I knew I wouldn't keep it off because my history was always to lose some and put it back on and lose some and put it back on. Um, I remember I lost a boyfriend and I lost 14 pounds within two weeks. But then I put it all back on plus some after that. So coming, I, I can't say I had total faith, but I came with an ex-husband who was 100 pounds overweight and he ended up leaving and I ended up staying. And it was the best decision I've made. Um, for me, the, the keys are the steps. There's just no question. And I don't know how many times I've looked them, not only with a sponsor myself, but the other way around, helping other folks go through the steps. Um, but there's, to me, there's certain ways that help me get closer to my higher power. So I'd like to talk about those. Um, the first one is honesty. Being honest about things I'm ashamed about. Um, being honest in every way that I can be. And frequently, I don't know what the truth is until I've had prayer time, talk to a sponsor, talk to other OAs. And because my sense of denial can be really big. But when I get there, then I have to be honest with myself and with others. Um, let's see, I'm going to look down. Okay. Um, I have built relationship with others. One of the things I had to look at in building a relationship with a higher power was how do I build a relationship with somebody here on earth? <laughs> how do I do that with a friend? How do I do that with a spouse? How do I do that with my kids? So spending time, being really interested, listening, that's a big one. Being upfront about what's going on, and being able to share that with other people. Um, sponsoring. I get in touch with my higher power so much through sponsoring. There are times I'll open my mouth and these words come out. I have no idea where they came from, except I do know where they came from. But at that moment, I can't, you know, I can't come up with it. Um, and it, the, uh, the opposite also. I've had an absolutely wonderful sponsor for most of the time. A few years ago, she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And it's been unbelievably hard to watch. And I just, I'm going to go see her tomorrow. And as when I talk to her or see her, I just have to ask my higher power to walk with me. Because I can't do it on my own. I would just break down, which of course, oh, that would really do her a lot of good, wouldn't it? So I just have to remember that she, she has a higher power who loves her dearly. And I can't understand this disease, but I can know that somehow, somehow she's in his, the palm of his hand. 
Okay, gifts. Um, I wish you the gift of peace. I wish you the gift of the, how can I put it? The knowledge when your higher power is acting in your life. When you put a, a question forward and you don't immediately make a decision, you wait and you pray about it and you think about it and you talk to people about it. And then it seems like miraculously you have an answer. But of course you've put forth work, which to me is another one of the big things. I don't expect my higher power to do things for me. I expect him to give me an idea of what he'd like me to do. And then it's up to me to do the work. But at every point I can say, help, I can't do this. And there are lots of times that I do. The last five years, it's been a lot. It started with um, my husband having prostate cancer and, and treatment. And then my grandson was in a car accident and brain damaged. And my sister-in-law has Parkinson's. And it has felt like one thing right after the other. But in each one of those, I've been able to take the pain and release it and give it to my higher power. And it comes back and I have to do it a lot. And I have to do it in the middle of the night when I wake up and my brain won't be quiet. But I know that I know that I know just as I knew when I was that little kid that there is an entity that loves me and that will always be with me. And I'd like to share the two things that I do every day to help me. You guys know these, so say them with me if you want to. The first is a third step. God, I offer myself to thee, to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them and bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. And the other is a synopsis of the big book, pages 86 to 88. God, please direct my thinking, especially move it from self-pity, dishonest, and self-seeking motives. As I go through the day and face indecision, Please give me the inspiration, an intuitive thought, or a decision. Make me relax and take it easy. Don't let me struggle. Let me rely upon your inspiration, intuitive thoughts, and decision instead of my old ideas. Show me all through the day what my next step is to be and give me whatever I need to take care of each problem. God, I ask you especially for freedom from self-will. I make no request for myself only, but give me the knowledge of your will for me and the power to carry it out in every contact during the day. As I go through this day, let me pause when agitated or doubtful and ask you for the right thought or action. Let me constantly be reminded that I am no longer running the show, humbly saying many times each day, thy will be done and agreeing that it is. 
I will then be in much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decisions. I will be more efficient. I won't be burning up energy foolishly as I was when trying to run life to suit myself. I will let you discipline me in this simple way. I will give you all the responsibility and all the praise. And then I try to remember to do those things. Like most of you, I'm sure there are days I'm successful and days that I'm not. But my higher power is very, very loving and forgiving. And 